Hey everybody, it's Sam and Tessa for our next retro episode. We wanted to go back to Monkey Year One when we had this really weird. Well, actually, I had a really weird idea to make Tessa watch all the Fast and Furious movies and immediately after we watched them, hit record to see what she thought. It became a yearly tradition. And so we're bringing you one episode from our inaugural Christmas limited series event. This episode focused on one of our favorite of the Fast and Furious films, Fast Five. We were joined for the very first time, I believe, by regular on the pod, Megan. Super fans. Super fan of the Fast and the Furious. She was so delightful that we invited her back for two more episodes later on in that very same series. Sam, are you ready for the beginning of the end of Fast and Furious this summer? Do franchises like this ever really end? I don't know, but I will enjoy watching all the movies again before Megan joins us to talk about Fast X. Hey, Tessa, if we were two internationally renowned street racers, is there ever a time where you would just let me win a race? No, not at all. This is the Nine Days of Fast and Furious. Welcome to the Nine Days of Fast and Furious, Monkey Off My Backlog's first limited series, where we say all the things that Dom Toretto does wrong. I'm your host, Sam Morris. With me is Tessa Suela and our special guest, friend of the pod, Megan Spell of the On The Download podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and excited to defend every decision Dom Toretto's ever made. Oh, man. Like, Dom Toretto is like the millennial pony boy. He will always stay gold. All right. So before we get to what is possibly the best movie in the Fast and Furious franchise, Megan, I have been told that Christmas is coming up soon. Yes. I'm not sure I believe it, but just in case, what are you doing to get into the holiday spirit this year? Thank you so much for asking. Uh, I, I have my twinkle lights on behind me. I have an impressive stand of Legos that are decorated with twinkle lights. I also have a Lego wreath. Uh, I discovered Legos in quarantine, if it, no one has, has realized that, and it's <laughs> One of the only things I do anymore, so that's exciting. Last week, I also uh, had a photo shoot with my rabbit and um, ordered pictures to send to my friends, which is also something I've never done. Seems very olden days to send a mail of a picture of me and a pet being sad in my apartment. But, you know, Christmas. We're in the spirit. (laughs) I had a whole thing about Legos to say, but then you said you took a picture with your rabbit. Correct. And I don't, I don't, uh, I'm going to push ahead, but my heart's not in it. Okay. So I, I work with somebody who they have an entire Lego room. Ah, oh, the dream. Right? And so we were talking on the phone the other day, and we were actually talking about the, the topic of Marie Kondo. And mm-hmm. of course, she's like, I hate that. And I'm like, well, you have a Lego room. I don't really know what to tell you. And but I was like, spark joy. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I told her was, I aspire to have a Lego room. Now, I'm not sure Legos would be in it. It might be a different kind of room, but I aspire to live in a place where you can have a room and have the thing and it's whatever you want. But also Legos are super fun. Right. No, 100%. We've also been asking all of the guests on this podcast because all of our guests have opinions about movies. Have you been watching any holiday movies yet? Holiday movies. I, did, I watched Happiest Season. Have you guys checked out Happiest Season yes. yet? We have. That's How did fun. you feel about it? Mixed, but uh, I, overall, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm happy it exists, and I had a great time. And that's, I mean, that's all I really want these days. I just want to watch, like, a Christmas-themed ro- rom-com, and I just, that's all I want. We talked before we started recording, Dash and Lily watched that in a day. I'd watch that again. Uh, the Jonas Brothers show up. I'm like, well, this is objectively not quality, but I'm thrilled. Uh, <laughs> and so that's that's what's been going on over here. I can't handle anything too emotionally devastating, and I will just be, you know, <laughs> drinking apple cider and uh, wait, waiting for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay. So maybe, maybe because we're trying to keep things upbeat, perhaps you are letting go of some of maybe, maybe, maybe some of the Christmas movies that you typically watch. But something that I've, I've, I've been asking, top three Christmas movies of all time. Oh, I'm so I'm gonna be so basic. Uh, this is gonna be shameful. I mean, wait, 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 wait. Before you start, <laughs> okay, you have an answer. I'm yes. already impressed with you. <laughs> I I'm not trying to say <laughs> one, two, three, right in my head, and three's controversial, but I'm ready to discuss. <laughs> See, I'm not saying that Martha and, and Colby, who were with us earlier this week, are wrong about their. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what I'm saying. They're wrong. Go on. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, and I support them and their decision. Everyone is living their own truth in 2020. No judgment. Number one, it's a wonderful life. Number two, Elf. Number three, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I would argue, is a Christmas movie. It came out right around the holidays, Came out at Christmas. Like, has a Christmas that. scene. People say, Happy Christmas. It snows. It's, I, I'm not going to get into the Die Hard is a Christmas movie argument. In my heart, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is a Christmas movie, and that's that. Oh, yes, you are, because the follow-up <laughs> question I've been asking, is Die, is Hard, Die a Hard a Christmas movie? movie? I don't care. You know, whatever you want. It's Christmas. If it's your favorite Christmas movie, I'm thrilled for you. That's all. <laughs> that is the correct answer. You yeah. heard it here first. Megan Spell ended the debate on whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That is the perfect answer. Everyone can DM me on Twitter, and I will fight <laughs> because it doesn't matter, everyone. <laughs> So far, by the way, because neither Martha nor Colby have actually seen it, they have like been DQ'd, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you? So I, I have. I have seen Die Hard. Okay, okay, I've only okay. seen Die Hard. I haven't seen any of the sequels, um, which I think I'm fine for. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think a lot of people get really caught up in the weeds about like, well, you know, Die Hard takes place at Christmas, but Christmas isn't relevant to the plot. But like, just you know, live your truth. If it's if it's purely an action movie to you, it's purely an action movie. But also things can be more than one thing. Everyone relax. <laughs> now, I won't get into it tonight because I already have once on this series. <laughs> but it is integral to the movie. It, it just it just yeah. is. But but like you said, it doesn't matter. That is the absolute correct answer. Right. Now, we'll see what Steve <laughs> Gutley has to say in a couple of days. But but you are the reigning champion of Christmas movies so far. Thank you. Thank you. Reigning champion of Christmas. I'll take it. (laughs) I I do have one follow-up question since you've actually seen the movie and you have such a great answer for this. What do you think about Twitter's really wonderful idea of remaking Die Hard but recasting Charlize Theron as the Bruce Willis character? To be fair, I'll watch Charlize Theron do anything. Uh, (laughs) Literally any, anything. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, Aisha Tyler would be the uh, Bonnie Hunt character. Oh, really like good les- lesbian diehard right? <laughs> i wait, love wait, wait. it <laughs> i think i have just figured out something in real time if aisha tyler is the bonnie hunt character we need h john benjamin to play hans gruber <laughs> that would be so thrilling we- would anyone actually be scared of him <laughs> we could go full we could go full evil dead 2 and now it's a comedy also huh See, Hollywood, <laughs> call us. There is a, okay, so we can, I don't know, this could be a controversial take, but we could have, playing the limo driver, friend of the podcast, John Stamos. Call us. It's a real idea. It'll work. Friend of the podcast. We've, we, ha- we have started asking him to call us at the end of every monkey episode because I we have love a great that. idea for him. So. I love that, honestly. And I not to undersell you guys, but I feel like John Stamos is a realistic get, you know? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. John Stamos <laughs> is a realistic get for Monkey <laughs> Off My Backlog. Be sure to tune in to our regular episodes every Monday. <laughs> All right, it is time for everyone's favorite podcast within a podcast, Sam's Holiday Cocktail. Sam, what holiday cocktail have you made today, and how can our listeners make it for themselves? So for the second day in a row, I did not make a holiday cocktail. We're going to have to rename this podcast. (laughs) Well, it is also not brought to you by Lieber and Company, makers of fine syrups. So what I decided to do after yesterday, I kind of went on a bit of a rant about James Bond. It seemed appropriate. 
Also, today is the last day of the semester, and it's been a hard one. So I decided today was a day for no mere cocktail. I made the Vesper Martini, which is the original James Bond martini that appears in the novel Casino Royale. There are four ingredients in the Vesper Martini, and one of them's a garnish. So there's actually really only three. You take three parts gin and one part vodka. That's right. This is not a gin martini. This is not a vodka martini. It is both. Three parts and one part is super easy if you just say three ounces of gin and one ounces of vodka. That's a lot of alcohol. But we're not done yet because you're going to take Lilit Blanc. Take a half ounce of it. You pour it in. And here's where we get tricky. The Vesper Martini calls for a Lilit, but not a Lilit that's in production anymore. Lilit Blanc is a sweet fortified wine. Lilit originally came with quinine in it just like the stuff that you make gin and tonic with. But eventually they took it out because, you know, Americans hate bitter things and we try to sell things to America. So now Lilit Blanc is all you can get. So unless you want to distill your own quinine syrup from bark, which people do, according to the internet, you can go to the fabulous people at Lieber and Company and buy tonic syrup. So Take your three ounces of gin, you take your one ounce of vodka, you take your half ounce of Lilit Blanc, you put a little couple of splashes of the uh, tonic syrup in, just a, just a little, little bit, you stir it all together, because remember, friends, no citrus, no shake. You pour that into a glass, and if you've seen a simple favor, it is a tutorial for how to express a lemon peel into a drink. I'm convinced that's not how it looks in real life. There must have been some VFX involved in that. (laughs) But if you don't have a lemon peel, which when you're the only one who drinks, you're either drinking a lot if you're buying garnish or you're throwing a lot away. So if you're like me, just put literally a drop of lemon juice in at the end. Now, here's the thing before before I let go. I was really upset. I've had a hard day. I shook this martini. I did not stir it. Here's why you don't do that. It took about 15 minutes for that martini to not be cloudy anymore, for it to be clear again, which means something bad happened with the alcohol. It got bruised a little bit. Don't do that. Don't be like James Bond. Make your drink, right? I like the idea of bruised alcohol. James Bond (laughs) bruises his alcohol. Just like he bruises the ladies' hearts. (laughs) And Money Penny's heart. Every time. This has been the podcast within a podcast, Sam's Holiday Cocktail. Let's talk about Fast Five. So I am going to very, very briefly summarize Fast Five for you all. Fast Five starts out fairly quickly after the events of the fourth film, Fast and Furious. Mia and Brian, I always forget Brian's name for some reason. I always think of him as Paul Walker. He, they, uh, they rescue Dominic Toretto from the prison bus. It, we call this a prison break, a prison bus break. I'm not sure. But they rescue him from the prison bus, and we catch up to them in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which is where the majority of this film takes place. I don't know, like a few weeks afterwards, they just drive down from the U.S.? I'm not completely sure. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Brian and Mia hook back up with none other than Vince from the first movie. Um, Wait, was Vince the giant jerk in the first movie? Yes. Okay. Yes, he yeah. was. He's always been giant. a jerk. Yeah. yeah but he's family. It's complicated. Fa- <laughs> family, families fight, guys. Like they, they fight. They do things anyway. So they, they hook up with Vince. Vince has uh, apparently kind of settled down. He has a wife and a kid, but he is still very attached to the car scene, and so he gets Mia and Brian in on this train heist because and brian accepts because he and mia are very low on funds and so they become involved in this this train car heist where they're stealing cars off of a train dominic shows up at some point so we do get dom helping them in this heist there are car pranks as per usual anyway they steal some cars but not before they realize that the drug cartel i'm not completely sure who this dude is who's like running it's very nebulous what this criminal organization actually does for its all of its cash anyway they uh, realize that one of the cars that they have stolen has information that this kingpin wants back 
So they basically have to figure out a way to stay alive and decide to steal this guy's money so they can have a happily ever after. Is that all the summary we need, or do I need to keep going? It's it's probably fine. All I'm right. Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Resident expert <laughs> over there on the Skype will tell you anything you left out. I'm happy to talk fast five. You just let me know if you need a fun fact. I'll jump in. So we have a segment at the end called Fast Facts, and I left it really light for you to fill in anything that we don't have. <laughs> this is thrilling. It's not going to be that exciting. It's just going to be like, uh, this fast fact is that Han is the best character. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think that's a great place to start. So I have only seen up through episode six, right? Which is the one that's coming up. So I know a little bit more than Tessa. Tessa mm-hmm. does still, Tessa knows that that we're going to probably see Han again in the next app, right? You know, it was really fun getting to see her, I guess, toward the end of Tokyo Drift, right? Before the last act going, oh, this character I like died. And then, wait, he's not dead? Great Scott. Oh, wait, this happened before. Oh, he's leaving. Right. Well, that was fun. No, wait, he's back again. Uh, I, like, love, I love the time jump because Tokyo Drift is such a specific time frame. Like it's, I know, like, right? The, what they wear, what they listen to, everything about Tokyo Drift is like so niche, more niche than any of the other ones. And then they're like, that's actually the future. Right. So, oh, and, God, I, and I cannot so stress this enough. Tessa does not know what's coming, yes. right, in the, in the next movie, which is so beautiful. It's literally the only thing I remember from the next movie. Han is the best character in the whole franchise. Is he not? I wanted to ask you that specifically. Undoubtedly, to me. Han is my favorite character by far. Uh, I mean, because he's the only thing that like, I take from Tokyo Drift. That one can kind of be left. But, like, the second Han shows up, you're like, okay, wait, mm, what is this? This energy, I love it. Uh, he is just always snacking, and he's funny, but he's cool, and he's, like, quiet, but he's, like, always there. And, like, he really, I also, my favorite thing of <laughs> the Fast series, and is so exemplified in this one, is they're like, okay, well, we need someone who's like a talker. We need someone who can talk their way into things. And it's just like, I got this one buddy, you know? And then they're acting like, and then, you know, The Rock is like, these are the like most dangerous criminals. I'm like, Roman? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> are we certain? Uh, so uh, in this one, I feel like, and and then like Han's thing up until now is like, he's like a, a, one of the really good drivers, obviously. He drifts. Uh, and then in this one, like right off the bat, he's behind the wheel. And then um, her character's name is Giselle. Gal Gadot is behind the wheel. And she's like, so she's like faster than him. And she's not caught on the cameras. And he's like, I think I'm in love. And I'm like, Han immediately knew that she was better than him. And I love Han. <laughs> game recognizes game. Eat chips. Be funny. That is how you get the girl, right? Eat chips. Be funny. Let her be better than you. Boom. That I'm is in. how I live my life. <laughs> I also just love, we talked about this a little bit while we were watching it, but he, out of all of the characters, doesn't care about money. Like, he says that in Tokyo Drift, where he's like, I've got plenty of money. But no. he just he just wants to be part of it, which is he just wants like to a live a life. <laughs> he wants to live a life, and that's the other thing. He doesn't really get stressed, you know. Like I feel like some of them are like, "How are we gonna get in there?" And Han's just like, "Listen, baby, we got it." And I just <laughs> love him. <laughs> But yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of familiar faces here. There's Rome, uh, played by Tyrese Gibson. There's uh, Tage, played by Ludacris. Gal Gadot's character is back. The Los Bandoleros brothers are back. And they're great, by the way. I think every single scene that they're in, which there's only like two or three, really, where they're sort of the main focus. But there's so much character work being done. Like No, they're very good physical comedians. When they come in and do the, when they're going in to be the janitors in the bathroom, and like, I mean, also, (laughs) they're not speaking English. And I don't think they're like, we're just all we all know. Like, I'm like, I understand exactly what's happening here. (laughs) It's it's Chaplin. (laughs) I love the scene that scene, because they're all like uh, did you read that while you were in prison like it's just like all this information and they just without any exposition or having to know anything else about these characters you know exactly who they are and I just I love that about them 
I'm also just a sucker for like we got to get the team together, you know, like in any movie. I, Seriously. I, like, and then in this one, it kind of comes later. I always think that happens earlier than it does, but there's kind of that whole long intro of them and then introducing, introducing the rock who is insane in this. We'll have to come back. Oh uh, no, everything. we're not coming back. We're going there right now. Okay. We'll go there because, now. Because no. So we have lots of familiar faces in this movie. In fact, we have literally every familiar face Except for one, except not really, because we see her at the end. Yes. But oh, so, so good. <laughs> we have The Rock as Hobbs. And so, I mean, and it's clear Hobbs is the new Brian, right? And so, I mean, and so the question, you know, because he's, he's doing insane. the same thing, right? He's doing the law enforcement thing. Like, you know they're going to become friends. You know they're going to become friends eventually, right? Of you course. Just no. Of and, course. And it's funny because, like, uh, I think it's the second scene that he's in. It starts with the 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 much smaller guy, and you're like, which one? They're all much smaller. But anyway, the much much smaller guy wearing <laughs> the Under Armour shirt that's kind of baggy, yep. and then it cuts to, and I'm like, you know, they're wearing the same shirt. I said, the same <laughs> shirt, same Under Armour shirt right there. Right. And so, so you know, you just know. You don't have to have seen any of the n- next few films to know this is going to go in the exact same trajectory as it did with Brian. And so right. here's the question. Will 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 Hobbs ever fill that giant Brian-shaped hole in Dom's heart that will eventually be that will eventually happen? We we do know this. And now I just regret not coming on for a later movie because I feel like I have so much that I want to talk about from like the later Fast and Furious franchises, but I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> no. Do you want to no. come back on for Hobbs and Shaw? <laughs> for Hobbs and Shaw? I saw it in theaters. I'm, I'm available, but yeah. no pressure. No, no, no. We've had uh, somebody on every odd, but we don't have anybody for Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Which we're, day is we're doing on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, I think Tuesday. we're doing that one. I'm free. We're done. Here are the things that I know about these movies, but that I knew before I started watching them. I knew that Michelle Rodriguez's character would die at some point, but wasn't really dead because that was a big part of their advertising for right. Fast 6, I guess. Yeah. And I knew that, I obviously knew everybody who was in it, like The Rock and Jason Statham and stuff. And I obviously knew that Paul Walker died. Right. You know, and so that character also, I assume, dies or leaves or something. So that's all I really know. Yeah, but see, this is the impact of Fast and Furious. Like, you've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. You actually kind of know a lot. Like, I mean, I think. I I think a lot about (laughs) the trailer for Fast 4, which we can't talk about because you have seen. And in the trailer for Fast 4, it's just like, basically, they're, you know, trying to, it's the scene where they're trying to break into the truck. And they're all in the cars and they're surrounding the truck. And then at the very end, you you don't see their faces. And, and then at the end, you see like, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, you, you see all their faces. And then it cuts to and it says, uh, new model, original parts. I, I just said it, it gives me chills. New model, original parts. Genius. <laughs> Tessa talks about how that 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 kind of that beginning opening scene uh, is one that she recognized. Yeah. Um, and and before we go today, we're going to rank the first five films. So we're okay. we're going to circle back to something else you just said. But tell me how you really feel. At least in this first film, when you finish Fast Five for the first time, there's a lot of F's in that sentence. How did you feel about Hobbs? What did you think? Well, I I. <laughs> This is going to be a really hot take. Okay, everyone relax. I don't love The Rock as an actor. (laughs) Uh, Is is that really a hot take? I don't know, but I know a lot of people really like The Rock, and it's nothing personal. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, in the first scene for this, someone's like, I got good news and I got bad news. And he's like, you know I like my dessert first. I'm like, geez, okay. (laughs) Like, so aggressive immediately. Um, I... I think, I mean, so much of my opinions on Hobbes hinges on later opinions on Statham and what they end up doing with Hobbes. So it's really hard for me to separate post five Hobbes because I think like when you watch Fast and Furious, I do like see how you're saying he's the new Brian. But when you watch Fast and Furious, I'm like, oh, it's point break. Like it's all something else, you know? So when I was watching this, I like didn't associate The Rock directly with Paul Walker because they're <laughs> aesthetically very different. And Paul Walker's just kind of like a cardboard man that you can put anything onto. 
And so, uh, no offense, Paul Walker. He's, I, he's excellent in this. And that is, that is a skill that is not underrated because at some point they bring in Scott Eastwood and he does not work for me. The, the, the one thing you should not, like you said, you can put anything on. You should not put frosted tips on that man. But see, a lesson I they learned. You should, <laughs> because I, we still think about it today. That's impact. <laughs> Can we talk, though, about uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's facial hair in this film? I had no idea he could even grow facial hair like that until I watched it this morning. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if this was like, like, when was I first aware of The Rock as an actor? I'm having a hard time placing this in his timeline. I didn't, I've never seen like the Tooth Fairy or anything. I do famously love Vin Diesel's The Pacifier, which is not a good movie, but I enjoy it thoroughly. It's a very enjoyable movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love Vin Diesel. I love Vin Diesel too. Vin Diesel and I like we I love him. Do you guys do you guys listen to Vin Diesel's new single from earlier this year? Because I can almost sing it now. <laughs> because I I listen to it as a goof because I love Vin Diesel. And now it's like a song that gets stuck in my head a lot. <laughs> I actually have it, but maybe I should do that at the end of this rewatch. Like I it's should a banger. Cap, cap this rewatch <laughs> with a with a Vin Diesel listen along. I will uh-huh. say I feel like the casting directions that Justin Lin, who also directed this movie, he's directed since Tokyo Drift at this point. Mm-hmm. He I feel like his casting direction for Hobbs was let's find someone that makes Vin Diesel look small. Like cuz that that's kind of what the vibe that I got. And and now it's just like I mean it's so aggressive honestly but they're just like any like huge big muscular guy that's like in movies now they're like got him uh basically everyone they want it to be like okay well you know Vin is like the you know the coolest guy in the crew so like we got to bring someone who like actually seems like they might be cooler than Vin but at the end of the day we have to find out that they're not <laughs> you know like you have to think the whole time that you know what maybe the Rock is like cooler than Vin and then at the end you gotta be like nah though La Familia he started getting into acting when he was still pretty much actively wrestling one of his first credits Tessa is an episode of Star Trek Voyager I did not know that I have to do more research on that right so the year after that his first major credit is 2001 where he played the Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns and then of course he gets the spinoff uh, mm-hmm. The Tooth Fairy comes mm-hmm. uh, not too far farther down the line in, well, I guess in 2010. So it is a little bit farther down the line. So he does a couple of things here or there, but he doesn't really become uh, much of an acting presence consistently until, you know, the last decade. So I don't think you're too far off there. Yeah, I think I, I think of this as kind of like the beginning of this renaissance for him. Nothing against The Tooth Fairy. I guess that was only a year earlier than this, but... Uh, I, I, I think, you know, he, now he's in everything, you know, which is yeah. kind of crazy. So well, it is funny, like at the time to be like, oh, what a silly goatee on this man. Is he a wrestler? And then now <laughs> to be like, uh, the biggest like star that you can get. Yeah. He's a wrestler. Well, like, well I guess Ballers <laughs> only starts a few years after this. So I Ballers, mean, I forget so that exists. We, Tessa and I are going to watch that one day. I don't know. Is 2021 the year we watch Ballers, Tessa? Maybe. It, this has clearly become a Dwayne the Rock Johnson appreciation <laughs> episode of Nine Days of Fast and Furious. <laughs> so, Tessa, tell us what you really think of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. One of the things that came up in the, while we were watching this movie, and I think it has to come up in this podcast, is how much the relationship between Hobbs and Dom in this movie is very reminiscent, although it predates this movie, of Batman v Superman. Like, as I was watching it, I was kind of like, did Batman v Superman kind of rip off Fast Five? But do it so much worse? How embarrassing. (laughs) How can you? Why would you? What is your excuse? How dare you? And then and then the thing that works about Fast Five is that it's ridiculous. And it's kind of the first, this is why I think it's the best one, and I stand by that. I, I, I go back and forth between my favorite being five or seven, but I think five's my favorite. Um, and they realize after that, they're like, oh, you guys like this. Like, we were dry, we had, like, <laughs> cars driving a safe through a city. That's, like, ridiculous. <laughs> but 
okay, I get it. You guys just wanted us to go around uh, in global locations and do things that are physically impossible. And we, the audience, are like, exactly. And then <laughs> Batman v Superman have the ability to make things truly impossible because in that world there is magic and superheroes and instead they're like no let's just get down to the realism of it i'm like you don't understand you're taking the wrong message from what we're saying to you yeah and and by the way one of the best things about the fast and furious franchise is uh that that it has up on the dc extended universe is apparently in the dc extended universe the brightness control only goes up to like 30 something Right. Like Fast and Furious gets to use all the brightness. That's yeah. nice. Of well, them. otherwise, how are you going to see the baby oil on Vin's head? You know, like so. you got to shine. So. <laughs> well, there's there's that great scene in Fast and Furious. Uh, oh yeah. There's that great scene in this movie where they go to to get some cars and they go to the street racing scene and they look at each other like we're home. And I kept waiting. I was like, you know, you just keep you, you watch so much pop culture, you know beats of things ahead of it and so i expected dom to look over at brian and go don't look at them you got my sister don't look at them but he doesn't no it's just like because it's part of the culture moment yeah (laughs) i like (laughs) i love i mean this this leads into another thing that goes into how ridiculous the fast and furious movies are i mean the first movie starts with like dom is a local la drag racer essentially and they and they're like okay we'll knock off some best buy trucks like pretty (laughs) low stakes you know and then by the time you get to five they're in rio and they roll up to a car race and they're like dominic toretto i'm like how do you know him (laughs) (laughs) but like we just have to accept he is a globally known car racer (laughs) and so you know you, you really hit on the big thing that that uh, you know, we talked last, Tessa and I talked last night about how four is really a transition movie, mm-hmm. apparent, which apparently people don't like, but we actually really liked. But it is a transition movie from that first very disconnected trilogy to this, whatever yeah. this is, which is magical and wonderful, as you point out. You know, and we talk a lot about Too Fast, Too Furious as being not a good movie, right. but... There are two things from the DNA of Too Fast, Too Furious that come to define these movies, and you really see them in Fast Five. You know, Tessa already referred to car pranks, which we really start to see in Too Fast. The other one is Too Fast, Too Furious has that, and and Tessa has this great thing about like the the B-level knockoff Bond villain. Like you train all your life to become a Bond villain, you're waiting for James Bond to walk through that door, and instead, it's Brian. <laughs> it's like the sad trombone. Yeah. But but this movie has a really pretty good set of car pranks and Bond villain, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, and you've mentioned that, that this is the movie where they figured out, oh, this is what you want? Yeah. So... I take it this is what you want. This is exactly what I want. Times 20. (laughs) (laughs) So yesterday, there was a comparison made. In the last episode we did, there was a comparison made wherein we discussed who between Dom and Brian was Mr. Darcy and Lizzie from Pride and Prejudice. Don't Mm -hmm. ask me how that came up. You'll have to listen to the episode. Yes, I can't wait. (laughs) because, Because I brought up Batman v Superman, between Dominic Toretto and Hobbs, Agent Hobbs, who's Batman and who's Superman? Oh, okay. Okay. That's a good question. It's a really good question. I mean, it's not one for one, but I feel like I have to go. Vin could never play someone as dour as as Batman. Like, Vin has to be your Superman because he's just like, I think he's just, he's optimism. You know, it's going to be good. (laughs) He cares about family. Batman doesn't even have one. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, like all that fight needs between the two of them in the garage where they're like crashing through walls. Martha. All they need is a really growly Martha in there and it would yeah. be that movie. But it would be better than that movie. I will say it is funny because you watch Batman v Superman and you're like, why did Ben Affleck get this jacked? And you see The Rock like this and you're like, 
oh yeah, I mean, that's The Rock. He's supposed that's to be like that. that. <laughs> no one's asking why someone who is like objectively an agent who has a day job can afford to spend, I assume, six hours at the gym a day. <laughs> well, we just, we enjoyed talking about it today. It's like Black Adam, Wonder Woman, and Groot walk into a room. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's an excellent cast. And it is. I, I think about it all the time. <laughs> this is a movie about cars and driving fast. So you really, in a franchise this large, have to have plot holes so large you can drive several cars through them. We have a burning question about this movie, and we have been waiting all day to ask you. Oh, I'm so stressed. And, and, okay. And that's true, by the way. <laughs> like, this is a burning question. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hobbs, if you will, gives them 24 hours, but he's going to catch them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah. I know he says that to Dom, like he's got like a bad romance situation going on with Dom. It's fine. But that was a whole squad. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this, but there are accessories to crime. And apparently that is also a crime. So are you saying are you saying breaking someone out of a prison bus uh, is like a crime? That is also a crime, (laughs) I believe. Now, I am not a lawyer. (laughs) I am not a lawyer. I am not familiar with the penal code. But. I believe it is a crime to assist in breaking a giant safe out of a police station (laughs) and wantonly destroying many, 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 many things because you're dragging said giant safe behind the car while you're evading federal agents who probably are lawfully allowed to operate on Brazilian grounds. Like I think that's probably a crime. So here's the question. Why are Tej and Roman in Miami at the end of the movie? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Maybe, oh. And because they're totally made halfway through the movie because they have the whole scene where they're in the warehouse and they're like, oh, we've been made. And I'm like, you guys aren't like a criminal group until now. <laughs> like, one movie ago, Brian was still in the FBI. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> uh, so that's something to think about. Honestly, not the most confusing thing about this movie, so I will. I, I'm not going to die on what? this hill. Wait, 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 hold on. Do you do? Wait, you said it's not the most confusing thing in the movie. Mm-hmm. I hear that, and I hear that you think there is a most confusing thing about the movie, and you know what it is. Oh, okay. Uh, for me, uh, almost all of it. Um, but uh, the most confusing thing. I mean, that's definitely not it to me. I mean, I just accept everything whole cloth. Like, you watch the movie and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. And then they're back in Miami because uh, in there, in two, they were in Miami, you know? So that's, right. like, where they chill. That, that's where they're, they, that's where they live. That's where they're from. Right, right. Yeah, for me, the whole Roman Tej thing, like, I was really happy to see them in this movie. I didn't like Too Fast, Too Furious. It's objectively not a good movie. Correct. But, like, it was... <laughs> What I love about it exemplified what I love about this franchise so far, and I've only seen five movies, but I love it so far, is that they're like, yeah, Too Too Fast, Too Furious was a dumb movie, but it's yeah. our dumb movie. Right. Like that's that's that seemed to be like the attitude behind having right. these two characters here. Right. And I feel like in another world, in another franchise, they would be like, scrap two, scrap two, like they didn't like it, like, you know, uh, <laughs> ludicrous is out this isn't and star like, wars we don't retcon what we don't like <laughs> exactly but then that's the other thing about these movies like it's a soap opera like at the end when they slap down the picture of letty and you're like cast <gasps> so like i mean masterpiece <laughs> yeah all right so i have a two-part question for you okay um I've, the the first one is just a yes or no that you can expand on now at a future date but the second one second one's a little more involved so the first one is this the best fast and furious movie yes okay you can tell us why later yes (laughs) all right second question so we've seen tessa and i together over this week we are recording on a friday guys it's been like a real week we've seen these five movies it's great these five movies rank them worst to first 
Worst to first. Would you like numbers or titles? Uh, the titles obviously have no integrity throughout the series. <laughs> that's, 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 well, we'll take whatever you got. Justin Lin is a lot of things, and imagine yeah. a title writer is not one of them. <laughs> okay, Too Fast, Too Furious is the bottom for me. Um, followed by Tokyo Drift, which I do like, but I just think we, I personally can't get over Lucas Black to me is just nothing. Like, just couldn't care less. So that's fourth. Third is. The Fast and the Furious, the OG. I mean, you know, I, I think I don't like it as much as Point Break, but honestly, I freaking love Point Break. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of tough. <laughs> uh, and then two is Fast and Furious, a.k.a. four. And then one is Fast Five. Okay. Tessa, it's your turn. Where's the first, huh? Mm. All right. So I agree. Too Fast, Too Furious is on the bottom for me. I think I would actually switch... I would say The Fast and The Furious is next, and then Tokyo Drift, mainly because I really, really love the setting of Tokyo Drift, because yeah, yes. Lucas Black is nothing. And that's but... and that's the beginning of them being like, we're an international franchise, let's give you international stars, let's give you nightlife in Tokyo, and we're going to show you how racing is different here than in LA and Miami, and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> yeah, and it also gave us Han, and there's like a lot obviously, of like, obviously. there's a lot of really I mean... great 2000s culture in that movie, so I, I really enjoyed it. And then I would say four and then five. So I, that's really yep. the only two that I would switch, I think, yep. in my ranking. Yeah. And I will say this is Sophie's choice for me. I love them all. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, okay, so I'm going to do a thing. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I, I've, I've lost sleep over it. But since you guys did what you did, I'm going to say it. I'm going to put the OG, the Fast and the Furious, at number five. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't think Too Fast, Too Furious is the worst of them. Because I started thinking this last night after our discussion about how the DNA of the later movies comes from Too Fast, Too Furious, not from the original. I agree, so I really... but no Vin. My top three are the Vins. <laughs> See, that's completely fair. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I just the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, if you get more from the from Too Fast than you do from the original, is Too Fast really the worst? And, and the, you know, the thing about rankings are they're all fake and it doesn't really matter. Of course. The bottom line is what I would say more than anything else is Too Fast is not as bad of a movie. And I don't think any of us think it is. But I don't think it's as bad of a movie as it, anyone says it is if they say it's a bad movie. If they say it's I a good think the movie, parts, the right. parts are a bit greater than the whole, which is how yes. Five ends up being so good. Because they're finally like, okay, we got it. We're cherry picking we're putting right. it together. We're baking a little cake. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> so we talked We talked yesterday about how um, this movie, Fast Five, is the first one on Rotten Tomatoes to not be rotten. And I think if you took all those historical reviews away and started fresh, I think every movie in the series would be seen as n- not rotten. And so, so just to finish out, Fast and Furious number five, too Fast, number four. Tokyo Drift, number three, fittingly. Number two is Fast Four. Number one is Fast Five. So right. so we all agree five, then four, because it's like now we're cooking with grease. Which I think is really interesting because like four is somehow not seen in very, in a very great light. Like a lot I of people seem to like the OG so over. overshadowed by five. Like everything mm. that I think is good in four is better in five. At okay. least the original is, you know, its own thing, which is to say Point Break. <laughs> well, yeah, just watch Point Break instead. And by the way, I've, I've been waiting. I've been good. I've been waiting. Here's the plug for everybody listening, but also for you next Sunday, which for those of you who are listening, time doesn't matter. But next Sunday, we're going to be doing our stupid long movie marathon, stupid 90s action movie edition, which kicks off bright and early with Point Break. You're going to be so hyped right off the bat. That's Coffee right. and Point Break. I freaking love Point Break. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing, I can't remember the order off the top of my head. We're doing Point Break. We're doing Die Hard with a Vengeance, which Never you seen. don't need to have seen Die Hard 2 <laughs> to watch. Just going to throw that out there. We're also going to watch the first Mission Impossible just for funsies because that was the 90s. Oh, I love Mission Impossible. But here's here's (laughs) the real star, right? We are going to watch the seminal, the classic, the zenith of 
action filmmaking that is the holy trinity of Nicolas Cage action films. The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. I knew you were going to say Face Off. <laughs> I knew Face Off was going to be the last one. <laughs> Hopefully you'll The only movie you'll hang off of that, that list that I have seen is Mission Impossible 1. I have not okay. seen any of the rest of them. So oh, man. Excited. If you guys do another, you know, six days of Mission Impossible, just please bring me back. I'd be happy to talk about any of them. <laughs> we, we were just talking before we started about, like, I don't know. Do we have it in, it to, in us to do another limited series soon? <laughs> the answer is no. No, but you can do it in advance for the next one. Yeah, I mean, that, that's like a year. See, that's the thing. We just can't stay away from this kind of thing. We, we love <laughs> our movie marathons. We love our stuff. So it's Let's great. Be real. We'll get what back else to are we it. doing? You know? <laughs> All right. It's what brings us joy. Yeah. It is Yeah, true. Marie Kondo. That's sparks. right. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do fast facts now. And Megan, anything that any, okay. any fast facts racking. that we have left out, you're brain. just going to let them rip after that. <laughs> All right. I got three for you. Number one. We got to talk about Brahma beer. There are no Corona moments in this movie. I, there, there are no Corona moments. There are no like s- someone standing on a grill, and I do feel like it's missing. But but we do <laughs> get the Brahma beer, and and here's the thing: as somebody who loves beer, somebody who moved to a place where the microbrew scene just sucks. You know, I I want good beer. I'm always wondering what's out there. And so I see the Brahma and I keep seeing them drink it. And I'm like, well, you guys drink Corona. So, like, I don't know that you guys are the denizens of taste or anything. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Like, I don't know. When you went to Rio, I'm not sure Flavortown is missing any citizens here. But I do wonder if Brahma is a good beer or not. Okay, so that's one. Two, we love to talk about casting. Original Hobbs. Your oh, friend and mine. I think yeah, I know this. I know you do. I bet you do. Tommy Lee Jones. That's right. <laughs> Harrison Ford's nemesis from the fugitive Tommy Lee Jones. Let's go back to the well and get somebody who holds irrational grudges against the person they're chasing. That is such a stupid idea for this franchise. Thank God they got the rock. They totally nailed it. They totally nailed it. Because you don't need the Kingpin and a Tommy Lee Jones. That's insane. No. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually kind of shocked that you said that because The Rock is such a different energy. And like, I think that's what this franchise kind of needs. Yeah, no, it's, of course. <laughs> whatever, the, whatever we would classify the energy that The Rock brings, which I can certainly smell. <laughs> I, I can't. I, the 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 energy that Tommy Lee Jones brings is certainly different. It's more that that's how I would classify that. All right. So here's the last fast fact I have before I turn it over to you, Megan. Okay, I have one locked and loaded. I'm I'm still thinking. <laughs> fast and Furious X Men. They love each other. They can't quit each other. They gotta release in the same year. A few weeks after Fast Five is released, we do in fact get X Men First Class. Oh yeah, I I I I remember that summer. I was it was the the summer between high school and college for me. Very, very memorable. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like it would have been a good year for Tessa if Tessa was a full fledged movie goer, not prejudiced against the Fast and the Furious, because she would have had Fast Five and one of her favorite X Men movies. It's true. First Class ranks very highly in my rank that list of X Men films. Hmm. I'm right. intrigued. We'll we'll come back to that. We don't yeah, have to we'll, spend time. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah, that is a whole thing, and we'll get back to some box office stuff here in a little bit. But but take it away. Okay, I, the one that I'm 95 percent sure is this movie because now I'm rewatching it in my head. And I think it is. They never say Gal Gadot's character's name. Correct. Yes, I okay. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Uh, and that feeds into another trope from the series that we will i i I got something on that we'll come back to it but i just i mean it's so funny because like now they now if they get you know wonder woman they're gonna be like okay and then she has all this stuff to do and they do give her a good amount to do and i think you know uh one thing that as much as they have shots of like women in short skirts standing by a car i think it's nice that they get like it's not just the men doing things you know this is a pretty balanced uh gender wise <laughs> towards the end here <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say this and i'm gonna back away from the mic i mean gal gadot 
had one of the most seminal roles to play in this movie. They would have never they gotten in that vault. They would have never gotten in that vault. They were not going to get that, that handprint just Han any old had way. had no idea. I didn't know you could pull a handprint from a bikini bottom, but sure. <laughs> Maybe is, that's the most ridiculous thing from the movie. That's the thing, that's the thing that makes the least amount of sense is the handprint yeah. on the bikini bottom. Gal Gadot, I, so I, at least there are three female characters with speaking roles in this, which is a marked improvement from yes. where we've been before in the series. And like of you course. said, they have more to do. I will yeah, also I mean, say- Yeah, I mean, when it could... started, Mia didn't drive, you know? And now right. look at her. She's breaking him out of a, out of a van. Uh, <laughs> right, and she goes on the heist. A, Eva Mendez has a line. Oh, That's sorry. four. <laughs> there are four women with speaking lines. Eva Mendez from Too Fast, Too Furious also shows up at the end of this. I will also say the budget for this movie must have been bigger because they could afford to get Gal Gadot a bra in this movie. So. <laughs> well, oh, you went there. Got him. That is a joke <laughs> I made and Tessa was brave enough to say it. It's more of a bikini top. Uh, but, yeah. Well, know. this is, I mean, this was like one of the earliest things she's done. I, I'm not going to Google it, but. Sorry. Yeah, actually, the fourth Fast and Furious movie, we said this in the episode last night, it was her first film yeah. ever yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah and i do think it's interesting i mean i think I, i'm pretty sure she was um you know a Mossad agent uh and they talk about it in this and i'm like man that's crazy <laughs> you're just in a fast and furious movie now <laughs> i i just i just think it's really cool that like you say like i didn't know that that's a way you could get like a palm print yeah. and but when you're watching the movie you're like Good thinking, guys. Yeah. That was really good. You don't for a second go now. Wait. Yeah. Come no. on. <laughs> and they show like a blue light and it's just like a hand. And I'm like, but there's texture on there that would ruin the hand print. Anyway, we don't need to get into that. Here's the thing. And, and this is why I wanted to devote an entire day to watching what I call stupid action movies. They're stupid. But right. the people who make these movies are so incredibly brilliant yes because they, they know, know what that, they can get away with yeah because and i'm sorry to use the car metaphor here but but i use this <laughs> a lot for a lot of different things making a good action movie is like racing at top speed without any guardrails the slightest thing you get wrong and you're gone yeah i <laughs> that's why there are so many bad action movies out there is because there's just so little room for error and these movies somehow, somehow, like this one especially, managed to do everything right despite themselves. So we literally say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That totally tracks. That's fine. <laughs> well, and they really sell you on this world that they've created. Like it is a different world. The laws of physics do not apply in this world, among other things. You don't even but, know. <laughs> but yeah, like even though... <laughs> Yeah, but even like even though you know that as you're watching it, and you can even like kind of chuckle at it a couple times, like like my my favorite is just when Mia's on the the radio and she's like, "Did you guys just take out a bank like with the the safe like going through?" Yeah. But like at the same time, you're just like, "This is awesome! Like yeah. this is so cool!" And like you just you completely believe that this is a real world and that these are real characters, even though it has no basis in reality whatsoever. Yes, and it's a fine line because it's knowing, but it's earnest. And there, it's so easy to be knowing, but think you're smarter than everyone or to be overly earnest so that everyone's laughing at you. They know what's funny and they take it seriously. <laughs> and I, I really like that. I, I like that a lot. And I think that's what the real heart of this movie is. I think you've probably said that better than... Either one of us could, and I wish if I could have said it that way, I might have convinced her to watch these movies sooner. <laughs> All right, so I, got, I actually have one more question for you because I think you, you just reminded me of something, and then we'll talk a little bit about box office. We know that Fast 9 is in the can. We know we got two more. Justin Lin's going to take us out on 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. There's going to be 70 million spinoffs, but let's not with those. We don't need to think about that. 9, 10, and 11. Do they go to space? I was going to say, I, thank goodness. So I didn't want to spoil that they haven't yet been to space. For, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's really a race. sad that that's actually legitimately a spoiler. But <laughs> Tessa knows they haven't gone to space yet. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil that they haven't been to space yet. yet. No, it's it's Vin and Tom racing to space. It's the, the 2020 space race. Who's, who's going first? I think Mission Impossible will go to space first. Part of me thinks that they will plan 
to because I keep thinking space should be the last one because you want to think like, how can you top that? But the thing is, they just keep topping it. So I think it's going to be 10. I think they go to space in 10. And then in 11, I actually think they scale it way down again. That's a really good idea. I'll I'll, I'll see your 10 Mm -hmm. and say it's going to be one of those um, one of those planes that can go out of the atmosphere and then come back in. It won't be full space. That's yes. my guess, I but think, I think you're I right think about Mission 10. Impossible will go to real space. I think you're absolutely right. Uh-huh. Or as I said in the the episode last night, after watching all these time shenanigans with playing around with chronology, what if mm-hmm. they do an end game and like that's that's what Eleven is? Is like they have to go I'm back not in mad. time throughout all the movies. What if what if Eleven is like um, it's a Wonderful Life and Dom is finding out what would happen if he had never been born and where everyone would be. I'd watch that. <laughs> I, I love that idea. <laughs> Actually, they should go the Disney Plus route and just do a what if series oh, for Fast and Furious. Yeah. What if <laughs> Brian was actually Gal Gadot the or, whole time? Uh, no, no, no. WandaVision. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> just expand it. Guys, Universal Pictures. Call us. <laughs> we won't just rip off Disney IP. We will come up with good no. original ideas. One, it's a wonderful for life. You. Isn't even Disney IP. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Okay. All right. So I, I, and I really want to revisit the time travel thing after we have the benefit of the entire storyline. We have time. We have time. Because, because, like I said, <laughs> I don't know some of the things that happened, but I do know what's coming up, and I cannot wait to talk about that more. All right, let's do. We did fast facts. Let's do some furious stats. Budget, 125 mil. They gave this one a lot more money. I mean, The Rock doesn't come cheap. It's that Gal Gadot bra money. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I mean, you know, that swimsuit was, you, probably you was a designer swimsuit. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Opening weekend, domestic. Does it make its budget back or not? I'm sorry to report that it does not. It only makes, only makes, $86.2 million. That's like Christopher Nolan had a fugue state, made a movie, released it during a pandemic. Money. But that's domestic. That is domestic This is a global weekend. franchise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so let's talk about the total box office. Six hundred twenty. Six million dollars. That's how you build a franchise. That's how you let them do whatever you want. Top five weekend. No surprise. Fast five makes the number one with a bullet. Let's talk about the film it replaces. A little film called Rio. All right. Oh, so that's, two yeah. Rio movies. Yeah, that's right. Hey, that's really <laughs> fun. That's a that's a pretty cool fast fact. <laughs> Everyone right. was really aware of the Redeemer that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number three, Medea's Big Happy Family. Haven't seen. No. Four. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to say this. Four is water for elephants. That was the Batman, correct? That was Robert Pattinson, correct. was it not? Reese, Reese, and Reese Witherspoon. Reese, and Reese, that's right. I saw that opening weekend, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I ride or die for Robert Pattinson since since day one. <laughs> so here's what I can tell you about that. So so random fact, the original novel is written by Sarah Gruen, which if you know anything about my memory in the last year or so, that is good work for Sam. Sam gave that a five-star rating. That was a five-star book. I understand the movie was not good, objectively. I don't know if you're an R-Path person. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I have seen the movie. That's how not good it was. Five is a movie called, and I'm going to need your help here, both of y'all. I'm sorry to stereotype, but I'm old. Number five is a little movie called Prom. I I believe that is a Disney property. Prom? I looked it up. It has Amy Teagarden, who is Coach's daughter on Friday Night Lights. But I got I've nothing for you. I've never heard of this in my entire life. The right. Prom just came out on Netflix today. That, not, <laughs> and, and I think that's a, it's, I don't know. I think that might be a watch, I think. But this is not that. No. Because we don't do time travel in box office. 
<laughs> on, on this earth. And then before we close out, we have to do the two last... Well, actually, we already talked about Corona moments. There are zero Corona moments in this movie, so we are still at a total of four. So, me thinks the Corona thing might be a little bit overblown, but let's just see where we go. Let's go to the thing that is certainly not overblown, family. We are now up to an explicit mention. Remember, explicit mentions of family. This movie is all about family, and I understand that, but explicit mentions of family. There are three in this movie. We now have a total of eight. I was going to say, are you going to break I, them down for us? Well, I put pretty good on the floor. All right. I remember, no, I remember some of them. <laughs> well, well, why don't you tell us what the ones you remember and I'll fill in the blanks for you. So Vince's family, you can't forget that. So uh, he, Vince says uh, to Vin, uh, you know, we're family, you know, just give me the, the chip, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know if I remember the rest. So Mia says that she has already lost her family once. We're not splitting up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is the one with Vince. Mm-hmm. There's always room for family. Mm-hmm. And then third, there's one more at the very end of the movie, which is how you know it's the most meaningful thing because it happens in the end. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the fact that when Mia tells brian and dom that she's pregnant the dom's response is we made a baby we're having we're having a baby listen they're all the family i don't understand familia we're having a baby is like the most adorable and annoying response from like a brother we're having a baby (laughs) but he really thinks he's a part of it and he is he's not wrong he is fast five is actually Pacifier Begins. Ooh, interesting. I and, love the Pacifier. Continue. And, and actually... No, never seen it. Never. Don't you know should, anything. You should, you should see, see it. it. It's terrible, but it's terrible. Well, it Tessa, is. Tessa has been working me for... Okay, Tessa and I, our first date, and there is some discrepancy about this, but, but I, I think I finally convinced her. Our first date was January 2nd. So we are coming up on a full five years together. And almost all five of those years, she has spent convincing me that the Riddick franchise is good. I've never seen, which is terrible because you I stand. You should see it. With- <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going to see it. It's. I'm going to see it. So it one hardest, time, it is the hardest genre pivot that I've ever seen in my entire life. So sometime, sometime next year, we'll do a monkey where where. Where where you and I'll just do the Riddick franchise. Yeah, I have a lot and then of. Tessa uh, will tell us everything <laughs> that we say that's wrong. Yeah, they're not fast <laughs> facts, but I have a lot of Vin facts. And uh, one of my favorite Vin facts is he was hired for a movie, and they wanted him to take his shirt off, and he says, "I only take my shirt off for Vin Diesel movies," and he was fired. <laughs> and he walked. He was like, "I would rather not do this movie uh-huh. than take my shirt off in a like side character role." And very I just, admirable. You I just think about that constant you have to have (laughs) standards here's the thing if ben diesel had made a blockbuster trilogy and then agreed to do the fourth one and it was a shit show if they drove a dump truck full of money up to his house if they drove that safe up to his house and said will you do a fifth one i think he'd say no that is what makes him different from harrison ford I think it's it might be Riddick, uh, Tazza, you'll have to correct me, but he had he like went into some studio with like a locked box and was like, in here are scripts to three more Riddick movies, but you have to green light them before you read them. And they were like, No. <laughs> He's he is That's very so invested cool. in Riddick as like I mean, he traded uh his uh, performance in Tokyo Drift for control of the Riddick character. Like he's right. very invested in this character. Right. I will say the other thing that I forgot to mention during our film discussion that I do want to mention because I think it's actually really important. The ending of this movie where he uh, where Brian is basically like, I still think I'm better than you. And they're like, you know, are we going to race or whatever? Yeah. I said this last night. I'm going to say it again. Major Apollo Creed Rocky vibes. Like uh, that, that is the end of Rocky. Yes. That uh, doing there. And like, are they wrong for that? No. No, no. No. (laughs) I just, I, I cannot wait because I think it's about noontime tomorrow. I can tell Tessa my hot take on this franchise. I have been waiting (laughs) 
and and I cannot wait to share it because it I'm is something excited. I I earnestly believe. And anyway, so we'll get there. Okay, this episode is going to be so fun to edit. <laughs> oh I was going to say, I'm like, I, I don't know like... how long these normally go, but I feel like I'm probably pushing an upper limit. <laughs> this might have been a bad idea. Is it too what late to pivot? What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> All right, okay, I'm going to read us out. Are you guys ready? This was really fun. All right, you guys, it's time to scatter. Join us tomorrow for the next installment of the Nine Days of Fast and Furious. Will this franchise ever move past the there can be only one representation rule for women? Over the next four days, we have more guests and lots more holiday spirit lined up. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout because Jason Statham and The Rock are taking over for Santa Claus this Christmas Eve. Watch along with us. Tweet along at us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tweet at... There's a lot of alcohol in this. Tweet at us. Email us. Let us know all your Fast and Furious thoughts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Monkey Backlog and email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Where can we find you online, Megan? I am online at SpellMegan at everything. I'm SpellMegan.com. SpellMegan on Twitter. SpellMegan on Letterboxd. Uh, no H in Megan. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Synergy. No H. All no right. H. I like it. You can find Tessa on Twitter and Letterboxd at Swela Tessa, S-W-E-H-L-A. I can spell Swela, but not say representation. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9. Also, check out our regular weekly episodes of Monkey Off My Backlog, as well as our newest series, Monkey Nights. Our special holiday theme song is Scott Holmes' version of Jingle Bells and can be found on scottholmesmusic.com. Find the podcast on Spotify, Amazon Podcast, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. The only thing that matters is the people in this room. Right here, right now. Salute me, familia.